since we had our conversation, my friends have been sending me crickets to eat. <laughs> in fact, one recently sent me a tarantula that they got somewhere online and were like, you have to record wow. yourself eating a tarantula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could do that one, but yeah. Yeah, our crickets are delicious. Yeah. Tarantulas, uh, you like close your eyes. You stuff yeah, your nose. Need it. <laughs> and you do it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dr. Evka the mom at the playgroup who's in charge of the food and the lecture series, empowering other mothers when something seems off with their children, sharing mindset work when it comes to motherhood, medicine made understandable, and mastery of your child and who that child is when they have food intolerances, feeding challenges, or other of your concerns. You've heard that I'm a family doctor feeding physician, a life coach, a nutritionist, and a best-selling author. But if you ask me, I will tell you, I'm another mom just like you, and I'm your friend. Just remember that this information is being shared for educational purposes only in some of its opinion-based. If you have a specific medical concerns, please see your regular doctor. That's not me. Hey, Dr. Evka, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. My name is for those who don't know me, my name is Dr. Camila Williams, and I am a family physician, board certified in uh, Ohio. Um, I have been a family doctor since um, 2003, um, and that's when I started my residency. I graduated residency as a chief resident in 2006, and since then I've been practicing family medicine, and I'm currently trans transitioning to weight loss consulting, so that's exciting. Um, I also am the, the creator and the host of the Pivot and Bloom podcast, which is about the cycle of wellness. And it is about the transformation we make and how we have to keep um, changing things and going back to the beginning and then changing something else. And it's kind of a snowball effect. And so I like to talk to people about their own pivot stories, whether it be in um, their careers, in their health and wellness, um, any kind of topic like that. And it's based on my own weight loss journey. Um, so it started with that, but now I'm going to be talking about eventually my own transition. I'm super excited about that. I'm also um, on a coaching program and um, it will be for those who want to transform their wellness, but in a very individual, unique way um, so that I can help them develop a wellness plan that works for them. That's, that's doable, but that they don't have to think of or come up with on their own. You know, I've been listening to your podcast. I love this journey that you take people on where they start off in one way in their lives. And then they realize that there needs to be a change and whether that's a nutrition change, a weight change, a lifestyle change. They now need to transform themselves into a different version, like the same person, but still a little bit of a different version of them. And that process can be messy and it can be full of ups and downs until you get to that other version. But I think in that process of going and transforming, you become stronger as a person 
you become aware that you're capable of more than you might even realize. I talked about my own pivoting journey where I had gone from somebody who was a workaholic to having a child who had significant feeding challenges as well as food allergies and transitioning myself from someone who ate pretty healthy and had a pretty healthy lifestyle. But because of the change I had to make in my career where I could no longer be a workaholic at my job seeing all these patients, I decided to start eating a lot and to start comfort eating. And I went into this phase where I went and gained a lot of weight. It was like, if my child wouldn't eat, I would feed for my child. So I was eating more than I probably should. And I was noticing as I was doing that, I was going through a period of brain fog where my brain kind of felt, started to feel hazy as I was gaining the weight, as I was eating more of the processed foods, as I was um, having a ton of carbohydrates. Even though they made me feel good, there was a lot of brain fog. And then I realized that in order to help with my child's allergies, with the help with the feeding, and uh, I needed, and to help with my own weight, I needed to go back to a more healthy diet. And I did that. And for the first time in my life, I felt what it was like to have a brain fog that was lifted. Because I didn't even know that I was in this period of brain fog. All I knew was that things seemed a little bit hazy, but maybe it was just a stress. And then shortly after switching over to eating more organically, more holistically, I noticed myself having much clearer vision. The feeding challenges were still there. Some of the food allergies were still there. But I was a different version of myself. Because you also went on this journey where you changed the way you eat, you ate, and then you even influenced others with your feeding choices. Yes. Um, so my my uh, transformation started about four years ago. So prior to that, I think I first started noticing weight gain, which a lot of us do at the end of residency. In a residency that was very high intensity as far as inpatient. And you know how inpatient is. You're running the codes, you're running to do deliveries, we're doing obstetrics, we're doing all these things. So I was always on the go. We ate horribly, but we were always on the go. Yeah, it and was then we stopped like 100 hours a week. I remember right, that. Right, yeah. So, I mean, this was like the ice cream bars in the middle of the night, Mountain Dew for rounds. By the end of residency, I noticed I was starting to put on some weight. It was just, you know, a little bit of weight. And I hated working out at the time. So I just started working out with a friend. And that was fun. But, you know, we weren't really changing our diet. And then I realized I needed to do something. So I started a program, went through that for years, you know, counting and tracking and doing that. And I would gain and lose the weight, gain and lose the weight. And I was really active, but I was at my heaviest weight. And that's when I learned that exercise wasn't the answer. It wasn't the thing. I loved I loved spinning. I loved doing those things, but it wasn't making a difference in my body. And a lot of people say, well, maybe it's muscle, but it was just my body was not healing. I just have never subscribed to the I'm old thing. You know, I'm getting older, so I'm going to fall apart. No. So I was like, what's going on with me? So at that point, so around 2016, 2017, I started to really think like, what is it that I can do that doesn't involve counting, tracking, weighing, doing all these like things? Because it doesn't matter. It's not helping, you know? So I need to do this where I don't have to constantly think about what I'm eating and what I'm doing and not enjoying life um, in a sense. So we have to be transparent as doctors, but we also 
Well, I also want the public to know, especially with what I'm trying to do, I want the public to know that we struggle with this too, because it's mm-hmm. something that we learn a lot about a lot of things, but we don't learn a lot about nutrition. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I was like, I need to know nutrition. I need to know why my body's not doing what it should be doing. Wake up on a Sunday. <laughs> I don't have my son. I love the bookstore. Anyway. I'm like, I'm going to go find a nutrition book. So I followed that path and it led me to a really holistic lifestyle. And along the way, I discovered that other things in my life were lining up with that. So at my church, they were doing a series on, um, you know, health and and things at the very same time. And that's when I discovered the pillars of wellness, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, financial, relational um, wellness. And it tied right in with what I was doing with my health. And I started to lose weight. Um, I started to feel mentally clear. I had more energy than I'd ever had. I mean, at that point, I had a three-year-old, so you, you need all the energy. <laughs> and, I can yeah. you too. But I just had all this natural energy. I found that I, if I had caffeine, it was almost too much for me. At that point, it was I was very sensitive to it, so I could tell like what I was ever get jittery, and I'm like, this didn't used to happen. And it was just crazy. I started to notice that I was able to function on a much better, um, in a much better way. And what I also noticed at that time was I would just be doing my thing, you know, eating the way that I had learned to eat for my body, which is very important to eat for your own body, your own physiology. And people would just make comments like, oh my gosh, doctor, what are you doing? You know, um, the patients would ask me about diet and things and I would just kind of give them some tips, but like move on and like, no, what are you doing? You look great. You look completely different, you know? And uh, that's where it started. And I started to share tips here and there, of course, wanting things to be safe, not wanting to go outside the guidelines. But I started to see that by me sharing that on a personal level, that they were starting to get better and things were um, improving for them. And so um, it just led to this passion of wanting to help people in a more meaningful way. And being in the medical system, you know, we have our role, we have our medicines and their miracles in and of themselves. But I realized that I could be more powerful. Um, helping people to heal by empowering them, by by teaching them how to fish is how I always call it. You know, I can hand them the fish or I can teach them how to get their own fish. That's what I want to do is teach them how to change their bodies, change their physiology, change their lifestyle so that they can do this seamlessly eventually. Of course, initially, it's something you have to learn, but learning to do it in a way that works for them and works for the way they live their lives and once they did that, you know, you see blood pressures coming down, people getting off blood, blood sugar medications, um, hearing other doctors talk about the same things with their patients. It's just once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, that was talking all day, every day to people about the plate diet, about how the fact that you need to eat lots of vegetables, lots of multicolored vegetables, like half of each plate should be multicolored vegetables. And there's a little piece, like a quarter, that's like a protein, like fish, and a little piece that's like a starch, like quinoa, for instance. And I did it. And it was hard. Like, I remember the first day that I did it. and I would have to reward myself. So I would go to the dollar store and I'd give myself little gifts. And I'd give myself little gifts for like a month straight. Because each and every time that I did it, I needed like that external motivation until it became a habit. Because habit forming can take forever. At least it can for me. But by like the second month, I was like, okay, I can do this. I started noticing myself feeling better. And I noticed myself dropping weight. I, I read all yeah. kinds of continuing medical education credit stuff. Mm-hmm. 
all the time because as a physician, you always have to be learning. You're always being tested yeah. on what you know, what you've learned. Because you always yeah. have those board examinations in the background where yeah. they test oh, you yeah. periodically to make sure you know a ton of stuff. Because if you don't, then you can't be board certified and you want to kind of stay board certified. Right. So, <laughs> so I'm always learning. Right. And um, I think that of all the stuff I've learned about weight loss, I think that was one of the better books. Although I've had patients who've done other diets. So I've had a patient who did a DASH diet. Mm-hmm. Because they were on two different blood pressure medicines. And they're like, Doc, I don't want to have high blood pressure. What can I do? And I'm like, well, if you want to really work on your mindset and your willpower, then try the DASH diet. And here's the pamphlet I printed out in the office. Like, thank God the office had a good printer. Printed out about a 90-page book oh for the patient in the office. And like I had to wait yeah. in the waiting room, like, what's going on? And it was all about the DASH diet. And then I would follow him up and see what was going on. Within two months of him being on the DASH diet, he did not need to be on any blood pressure medicines. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then I told him, this is so strange. Like, your blood pressure, and he would bring in his readings from home. He monitored them. And I'd be like, this is amazing. Like we need to check your blood pressure cuff to make sure it's accurate. And it was, mm-hmm. and then I'd be like, well, uh, why don't we do a little experiment just for a week? I know it's going to be hard, but for a week, go back on the regular foods that you eat. I just want to see what happens. And then see me in the office. And so he yeah. saw me on this office and the blood pressure was up again. And he's like, doc, I don't want to do this again. I know you're going to put me on the medications. Can I please just go back to the way I was eating, even though it's hard. I'm like, mm-hmm. of course you can, because look, and at that point, I realized how much of a diet can make a difference in the food, in our in our mm-hmm. lifestyle and uh, our health conditions. Like you can, based upon your diet, you can literally, and if you follow certain diets and you maintain a healthy lifestyle, you can literally get off certain medications. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your diet and its influence on smaller, younger people, like, like children. <laughs> but not necessarily smaller, yeah, right? Like be. some children are bigger. Yeah. But, yeah. You must be talking about the little man in my house. Um, yes. <laughs> my son, yeah. Um, but he also used to have eczema and things on his skin. And I've noticed that when his diet changes, when we aren't giving him as much um, gluten, wheat, you know, refined carb type foods that his skin tends to clear up. Um, And so unintentionally, um, he was a picky toddler, like every other toddler. He didn't want to eat any vegetables, didn't want to eat anything other than fruit, sweet stuff. Um, Because as he was growing up, I still was giving him sweets and stuff because I just didn't know, you know, giving him those toddler treats and all those things. I just didn't know what's, you know, what was right. Um, Giving him what I thought was right. Over the time of the pandemic, oddly enough, um, we were limited on what we could get. I was working. I was still going into work, sometimes working from home other times, but it was just very hard to get food, hard to get food from the store. Now, what I will say is people weren't buying up the veggies. They were buying the packaged stuff, but still it was hard to get to the store and get what I needed. And so my friends would go and get stuff for me. And we started going to the butcher to get better source, locally sourced meats. And then I realized that some of the farms, local farms were like, hey, we have stuff, you know, we want to sell our stuff too. And they were having those um, farmer's markets, but they couldn't have them because of COVID. 
And so what they started doing was doing these sales where you could order it online and pick it up. Um, and it was, a, you know, former market, I mean, farmer's market adjacent. You would go and they would have, let you drive through and pick up your packages. And we started doing that and it limited our meals to locally sourced meats, vegetables. And I didn't really think about it. I don't think he thought about it. But I started to notice that he would walk by and grab broccoli off the counter and walk by and grab asparagus off the counter or, you know, come and ask for, you know, veggies or fruits that I had bought from the farmers. And he loves bacon. He loves meat. And I was just like, wow, like he's really streamlined his diet without me having to force him to eat it because there was the time where you would have to kind of like, okay, sit down and eat. And he still does not sit down and eat. He really helped me with that. <laughs> um, he gets better. He's better with it. But yeah, like he started eating vegetables and now he has this very diverse palate where he actually prefers vegetables to other things. You know, he'll eat, he's a kid, he'll eat junk food if you give it to him. But in general, like he loves when I make Brussels sprouts, which what kid eats Brussels sprouts, but he loves Brussels sprouts. He loves broccoli. He'll eat it raw off the, you know, can I have some of that? Cutting it up, you know, for a meal planning. I mean, it's amazing. And it just came from scarcity, which wasn't really scarcity. It was abundance really, but it was scarcity because we couldn't go buy all the junk we could buy before. So it limited what I could get and that's what we had at home. So that's what he ate. So now when he eats, he eats a full plate of vegetables and he eats the meat, you know, with it. And then if we have treats, he'll have his treat or whatever here and there. But we really try to avoid. So one of our things that we do is on Sundays, we may go and have ice cream. And, you know, there's a way to do that where you're not overdoing it. You know, instead of having three scoops, you have a half a scoop or a scoop, and then that's it. You enjoy it and move on. So I've learned to do that because it helps me to still stay within my goals. But to also enjoy certain things in life with him. So it's it's been really amazing time. COVID has, has really blessed us with a lot of things. Not everything was great, but a lot of really great things have come out of it. And that was one of them, seeing his diet change. So. Yeah. I want to share a couple of stories. The, the first one is that there is a link between different foods and food intolerances and symptoms like foggy brains, ADHD, autism spectrum disorders. They actually did a recent study where, which was like the biggest of its kind and it showed that yes, there is a link. And the foods, even if you don't have allergies with them, like you'll have the classic allergies where you have like hives or you have like facial flushing or high blood pressure, whatever it happens to be, or the nausea, the vomiting, the diarrhea, the mucusy stool, you can still have these soft signs of food intolerances that present as changes to your behavior and the way you're acting. So the, the what you're describing Finally, science and research is catching up to that. Now, some scientists and some researchers are saying, well, you need more studies. It's not enough. Mm -hmm. But yeah. the biggest studies to date show that there is a link. And the biggest link seems to be with dairy, soy, and gluten. So yep. even if someone doesn't have celiac disease, because not everybody is going to have celiac disease, yep. and that presents a very specific way, a lot of individuals are still having intolerances to gluten. Plus, like, 
don't get me started on all the processed foods and all the oh, things yeah. that have food, like all the foods that have ingredients in them where you're like, oh, uh, yeah. how do you pronounce this? Right. And mm -hmm. those are also maybe contributing to, to this behavior changes. So what you're observing is, is right. And then I also wanted to share a story of how, when I was young, we escaped communism and communism had a, you know, it was, it was hard living under communism for us, but we would have like fruits and vegetables available, maybe not huge amounts. We we're kind of poor under communism, at least my family was, but we still had like some meats, some fruits, some vegetables. But when you escape communism and all of a sudden you can't go back uh, without facing further prosecution, you wind up living like off the street and you wind up being homeless or you wind up living in a refugee camp. And for a while we did both. I remember living in a refugee camp. And at that point, all we had to eat was bread, pasta, jelly. That was all that was given to us. That was it. And then yeah. my mom, my dad would have to work like in a country where he didn't even understand the language to be able to bring us any other kind of food. And so I got used to that. And so my palate changed to get used to the necessity of living in, in a refugee camp. And then I came to the United States. And you remember, my diet had no sweets in it. It was pasta bread and jelly and non-sweetened jelly. It would come here and I would start noticing that there was all this junk food and it was all this abundance everywhere. And I remember my mouth would drop like, wow, there's so much food. But I also like remember eating my first piece of cake and I felt so sick from it. And I, I, I remember the first couple slices of pizza, I would vomit after each and every single one because my body wasn't used to that. My body wasn't used to sweets. Craving sweets was just not, I had to develop this craving of sweets because it wasn't something that was available to me initially. So I can see how somebody, because of the circumstances around COVID-19, may go from liking sweets, liking processed foods, to all of a sudden, because of the circumstances, going to a different kind of a diet. And then maybe the sugar and the sweets don't taste the same when they're reintroduced months later. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I mean, I, I think that's, it's really profound, you know, I, I've, I've noticed, I was just talking to someone about that, about how, um, you know, my, my own taste buds have changed, and it's funny because, you know, I grew up here in America, and we were also poor, when in the 80s, you know, it was expensive to buy those kind of like snack cakes and candies and different things, it was expensive to spend yeah. money on that, to spend extra money on that, so that's what we ate, we had you know, vegetables, fruits, you know, um, meats, you know, very simple meals um, that were, you know, kept us healthy. And I did not have problems with my weight at all when I was little. And then it's like, as I got older and had access to more junk food and more foods and I could buy my own stuff. I mean, I used to eat French fries every day in high school. Yeah. And uh, people were like, oh, you know, you, you eat that every day. That's what I had for lunch, you know. And so it's funny because it's like, how did I get away with that? But 
you know, it was there because it was considered part of the food guidelines at that time, probably still is now. Yeah. And we were just able to eat that and you have juice or pop and that was what you ate. And it's just amazing because when I, my mom was cooking for me and we had limited resources, what we had was vegetables and meat, you know. And so she finds it funny now that that's how I eat now. She's like, that's how we <laughs> ate when you were <laughs> And you feel so you much know. better if you just go back to the basics. Yeah. I remember this. Like, we would do this Very school basic. lunch program, and we, we would get the lunch mm-hmm. program for free because we qualified financially for to get the lunch program mm-hmm. once we were in the United States because it yeah. took a while to get established. And what was available for the school lunch program, at that point, it was – hamburgers, hot dogs, french fries mm-hmm. on my table, on my, my meal that I would get from the school, maybe I would have a little piece of fruit sometimes. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. most of it at that point in the school that I went to was not healthy. It was it was all this processed food and that's what we were given. And we're like, we're just happy to be eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now... Yeah. Now I think we have more choices. I think school lunches have really changed in the last decade. I think they've become they've much more healthy. Which is there's which is, still some there's still some limitations um, yeah. because of the guidelines because they have to you know a fruit juice is considered a fruit and wow put you know French fries potatoes are considered a vegetable and you know there's just all these things that you know um, go into it. I mean I I love my son's school because they really try to. Um, of course, it's private school, so I realize everybody can't um, can't do that. Um, but they are very um, adamant about the kids being nourished well for school. And um, I was very impressed by that because before, I probably three, four years, well, four years ago, well, now it is four years, five years ago, I wouldn't have noticed that. But I think it's important that they limit what snacks they can have. And he knows. So, you know, mm-hmm. if we forget a snack, he said, like, I can only have cheese or fruit <laughs> or a vegetable, you know. They can't have snacks. They will throw away chips, anything like that. They won't let them have that. And I think it's so valuable. I'm sure there's people that don't like it, but I realize now why that's important because when they're trying to learn, they can't with all that stuff, you know, floating around and sugar and the high and the low. and just. I imagine if my parents were in a situation where they were able to feed me really, really healthy food, like lots of fruits and lots of vegetables, especially vegetables, lots of multicolored vegetables. I think that when I was in that period of stress, I might have reverted more towards eating those vegetables. Because mm-hmm. the goal for me was to kind of in some way go back to a period where I felt more secure. Yeah. yeah. I think that's profound. Yeah, I you know, the food is very tied into our emotions and that's something that, um, I have worked with my patients on and I want to work with my future clients on is just understanding that it's not so much about willpower as it is about those those emotional um, aspects of eating. You know, um, one of my friends had talked to me about his mother passing away and that one of the things they used to do when they had a bad day was to go to a seafood, seafood boil. And, you know, it's not the worst thing you can eat necessarily, but depending on how it's prepared, but he was like, I, every time I, you know, I have kind of a bad day, I just want the seafood. And we were talking about it and he mentioned his mom and I said, you realize why you're, why you're craving that. That's your comfort, you know, and um, she's passed away since then. And I was like, so you get a piece of her when you go and have that. And so if you're missing her or you're feeling empty or something, 
that's why you're doing that. And he was like, man, I never thought about that. And um, I just think it's important that I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's important that people make that tie because we, we get in this habit of, you know, um, not being gentle with ourselves, not giving ourselves grace. Um, and it, it comes from that, the worldly view of, well, well, you should just have willpower. You should need that. But it's so not, it's not that simple. Um, and I know for me, I still revert, resort to those things, those things that used to comfort me. That's what I start wanting when I'm stressed, when I'm, you know, overwhelmed, stressed, something's going on. Oh, I think I'm going to go get this, or I'm going to allow myself to have that. And I, I give myself grace anyway. Um, within reason, I still monitor things, make sure that I'm not getting out of hand. But I have to rein that in sometimes because if I if I'm overwhelmed for a week, then I'll start those habits start creeping back in um, because I know that this, it's a comfort for me. So you have to rewire that comfort. You know, you have to start tying it to something else. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned to really enjoy my veggies. And I mean, I've always loved vegetables anyway. But like learning to make them in a way that they taste you know, like comfort food and they have become my comfort food. And it doesn't mean that they don't taste good. They taste amazing. But just learning how to do that and enjoy food the way it was originally intended um, has helped me to to give myself that uh, that leeway and that grace that we so need when we're overwhelmed and especially busy moms and busy physicians and professionals of all kinds. Do you have any last minute words for the audience? Um, what I would say is just to, to just start, you know, if you're, if you're planning on changing something, um, transforming, um, transformation starts with a step for a very small step. It might be getting up in the morning and just doing whatever it is that you're wanting to do, working out, moving for 10 minutes, you know, five minutes, two minutes, whatever it is, just start. Because when we, when we put it off, and we say, okay, well, I'll do it on Monday. I'll do it, you know, Monday never comes. So that's my biggest piece of advice for anyone um, in, in a transformation. We're all always in a transformation cycle. Just start. If there's something you want to do, just start. Whatever that small little step is, just do it. And and don't be afraid to, um, you know, look silly. Don't be afraid to, you know, um, fail. Don't be afraid to um you know, get that feedback. And so I always say feedback, failure is feedback. Um, so it's not failure. It's actually feedback. You know, it's, it's not something that we've lost. It's something that we've gained. So that's what I would say. There's, there's a little bit of a joy in failure mm-hmm. because without the failure, we would not feel as good when we got the accomplishment when we got success mm-hmm. because yeah. my, our brains would be so wired to just accept success after success right. that our success would not be big, like we wouldn't be big enough. But if you come to a moment of success after going through failure, you feel it more because you know how it much it took to get there. And Absolutely. there's a bit of like this pride of accomplishment, like look how far I've come. <laughs> Yeah. It was such a pleasure to talk to you, truly. It yeah, always is absolutely. such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. <laughs>